Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Ladcast, the podcast where the lads come out and cast a lad cast. Today, we will be discussing music and social media. What about them? Who knows? We shall see. Thank you for that introduction, Michael. That was pretty interesting. Very soothing. <laughs> yes. I try. Um, let's see. Normal cast of characters is here tonight. We have Max again. Um, hey. Anthony is not here. I think that is most of the revolving people. Oh, Michael is not here. Neil is not here. So but Michael is. Right, right. Did he say if he would show his face eventually? I don't think he had an interest in the topic. Yeah, I don't know. He's He's been kind of out of the blue. Anyway, let's let's get started. So we're just going to talk about music. Um, I have a couple things when it comes to music. And I know Michael and I kind of have the same thing, but we can just talk in generally just like... I think we should talk about what we're drinking first. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, all right. What, what are we all drinking tonight? Tonight I am drinking a Guinness Extra Stout. It's very tasty. Nice. Um, tonight I am drinking a large cup of water and tea. Because it's tea season. It is tea season. Um, let's see. Max, what are you drinking tonight? I don't have anything particular with me. I've got a water bottle on standby, but I'm, I'm going to be going to bed soon. Nice. Temperance. Good job. I am, yeah, I am drink, drinking some aqua fizzante, so we're, we're all having a very sober night. Um, Dan, how about you? Uh, Pat's Blue Ribbon. Of course. The of beer course. Just keeps on giving. Also, Dan is making dinner again. I am making dinner, yes. Tell us what you're making. Uh, it's just real simple. It's eggs. So I cooked up the eggs with some um, spinach and mushrooms, and I'm frying potatoes in canola oil, and then I'm making burritos with those. I'm not sure if the mushrooms are really going to go well with it, but my body's kind of craving some like actual vegetables and such. So get some Frank's hot. I was going to say, put something spicy on there, and it will go together. Mm-hmm. All right, well, now we know what we're drinking and eating, so I think we're good to, good to start. Um, so I'm eating these lime chips. They're really good. So we, They're very we, we have a very loose podcast, kind of to make up for last episode where we were very, I wouldn't say structured, but very focused on one topic. Um, so this time it's kind of just, you know, music in general, how music influences you, what music likes, and then I know I, I have a couple thoughts on music and the way that we personally use music in society now and the way that it's... I, I think it has vastly different impact um, compared to, you know, about 150 years ago. Um, and I know Michael has a couple of thoughts about that same sort of issue. Um, but Joe, let's let's start talking. Let's talk about your music first off, because you probably have the most eclectic music taste of us all. Although I don't, the thing is, is I'm thinking now that we're talking about it, I realize that I think of your music as very eclectic, 
but in actuality, your music is probably the most normal of us all. I don't listen to Taylor Swift. Well, yeah, Max. I mean, I guess the, the question is, what, what is his music? Because I, I don't, I, I'm not as familiar with it as you are. And maybe not the audience won't be as familiar either. Yeah, Joe, let, let's talk about some of your music. Okay. Um, so lately, I've been listening. Well, I'm just going to say that I've always liked rap and I always listen to rap. See, now, now see, here's, here's the question, though. Can you actually talk about that in this topic? Are you sure about that? I can. Because it's rap music. I mean, yes, it is music. Some rap <laughs> is music. Not all yeah, I, I, I music. would say that some rap is music, but I, 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 think, I, I, I think that as rap begins, well, I don't know, I'm not as familiar with rap, but I'm pretty sure that there is a certain point where rap stops being music and starts being nothing but the rhythms they they often embrace so heavily. Yeah, the beats. There's different kinds of rap, though. There's, oh, yeah. um Battle rap, there's mumble rap, there's white rappers, and then there's well, black rappers and Spanish yeah. rappers. And then there's there's um uh run Christian the duel there's run the jewels man run the jewels uh, that means nothing to me but yes Tim Yo, do you know <laughs> run the jewels I, I, yeah I think you played them for me once or twice see now I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that rap isn't music I do think that there is some rap that becomes dangerously close to being spoken word poetry and I think that it's just it's silly. I, I read a, or I watched an interesting video about, from, from this, you know, ridiculous liberal commentator who is saying that spoken, uh, spoken poetry, not spoken word music, spoken word poetry. Um, spoken word poetry is just the white colonialism that is actually just stealing from rap. But because rap is considered, because rap is considered um, not artistic, they renamed it to be, uh, you know, oh, it's poetry. To woke woke score one thousand. I don't know. I I thought it was kind of convincing, to be honest. Like, if you listen to Killer Mike when he's like hitting the beat, he's actually doing classic rhythmic or classic metered poetry. Where He's speaking, and it, every word he has has to actually meet, hit up to the meter. Right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I think that. I think that poetry or that rap relies quite heavily on poetry. I mean, obviously not all, but if you're thinking of poetry in the traditional understanding of a very strict meter and. You know, things like that. And yeah, obviously. I think it not. rhymes. I think, well, yeah, determined poetry. I think that it, it it's a string of words that rhymes and it's uh, it has a melodic sort of uh, rhythm to it. And that's actually the main reason why I listen to rap is because I basically listen to music all day. And the music that I can work the best to is rap because the melody and the background beat just stays the same throughout the entire song. So you can 
kind of phase it out, but at the same time, you can listen in, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Does that make no, sense? No, I, I get that. You know, the funny thing about that, Joe, is that my older brother, Zacchaeus, is, has, has been professional organist at different parishes for several years now, and he says that he cannot listen to music while doing work because he pays too much attention to the music and to all the all, all the music theory that he knows that rattles around in his head, and so he can't pay attention to the work that he's trying to do. So that that the, that's an interesting statement. I definitely understand that because, like, I cannot, I can't work and listen to music. The only music that I can sometimes listen to is if it's um, modern. I suppose you would say modern classical, but it's more modern instrumental because it's not actually classical. I don't know. I, I don't really get that. Because back in the day when I was homeschooled, my mom made us listen to classical music. And I could not listen to classical music and do schoolwork because it always changes. You know, and you're always thinking about, you're always thinking about, I would say that classical music makes you think about how you feel at certain points of the song and it makes you visualize the the it's kind of weird but it makes you visualize the waves of the music if that no i sense. but rap is I, different because you know right. exactly i actually i now. love i love both the vision i love the visualization of music i think that it's when it's done really well have you ever seen like those art pieces where they paint in time to music i think that it's actually quite pretty no, yes. when I'm seeing classical music like that, I mean modern classical music. So, like, if you've listened to any like Max Richter or um, Hans Zimmer, um, their their music is very. It's not. It's not like your symphony where you have these motions and you have all these these changes of music and it's telling a story. Instead, the music is very simple, and it's very. Um, Like it's not, it, there isn't a large range to it, and so that that's what I mean when I say that. Like, no, I can't listen to like, I don't know, like you couldn't study and listen to eighteen twelve overture. Like that to me, that idea is just like, no, that's that would be it would be so distracting. No, Dar, what were you? Oh, I, I was going to throw out there. Uh, Victor Hugo wrote in, I think it was it was an essay on William Shakespeare and other geniuses, or men he thought were geniuses. Um, he said. It was a translation from the French, obviously, but he wrote uh, something like, music expresses that which cannot be put into words and that which, which, and which cannot be left unsaid. And that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of how it should be. Like, like music, like, like you were saying about classical music, a lot of it tells a story in the music. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, like, like modern music, music does that too sometimes. Like Pink Floyd's albums are meant as one, like one piece of, one piece of uh, uh, work of art. All, all in like telling one story or, or explaining one emotion, like uh, just all coming together to uh, like kind of contemplate some thought or story. And I mean, I, I want to clarify like, when I listen to rap, I'm not necessarily listening to Drake, um, like you know, Eminem, MGK, it's more along the lines of like. You know, my favorite rapper, of course, is NF, who's um, Christian, doesn't cuss NFP. at all. His, yeah. no. <laughs> um, doesn't cuss at all. Um, and also his, his story is so ingrained in the music 
that you just get so invested in the character of this well, rapper. I've been following him since he has since he's had hundreds of followers and hundreds of streams. Now he has millions. He had a number one uh top hit with Let You Down. So I mean, you know, the, this guy is he's his his music is legit. And I also used to listen to it a lot when I was um it's a very it's not angry it's kind of well i guess it is angry but i used to listen to it a lot you know getting pumped up for soccer and stuff like that like well and see but, uh, i i maybe i shouldn't have started with attacking rap because it, it is more of a, a joke subject that i don't actually i'm not actually one of those people who don't think that who doesn't think that rap is um well, you either like it or you hate it. Yeah. It's not really like oh, it's polarizing. You can be indifferent. Yeah, but like my my critiques of rap are not are not the standard, you know, thirty seven year old homeschool mom's critiques of rap. In that, oh, it's you know too vulgar, or whatever. Yeah, but also you look at who the top names in rap are. It's like Takashi Six Nine and like Lil Pump and. Uh, uh, Cardi B, they're all super, super dumb. But there is actually good rap behind the the top. Can five you find like the like the underground old school types? Boy, I'll tell you what. When you lay a beat down and you listen to those guys go, I mean, they just roll. Like, listen, there's a song called "Go," and it has the scribbling idiots as the co-stars. And man, you give them a beat and they just they just start going, and they know how to speak with it and yeah it's what's challenging is they will have an idea that they're trying to express and they can use their language to express that idea but they also have constraints in the language and that being the if you've never looked it up if you guys have never looked it up you guys have to look up like these rappers who just do freestyle and and the freestyle that they do is like they just get a beat on um I forget uh, Sway in the Morning. If you look up Sway in the Morning on YouTube, you can see basically any rapper just they they get a, a beat and these guys have to come up with words like on the dot. And these guys are it's pretty pretty impressive to see what they you can do. You should see me rap. I would I would love to see, see that. Better. Personally, if I'm listening to rap, I like to listen to my favorite rapper, Froggy Fresh. I think oh he just Lord. really speaks to me. Why is James crying? Because he just got dunked on. It just it speaks to my soul. Well, that's that's fair. That's fair. This is why we have this podcast so that we can have random uh, anecdotes from Nodar. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's why. Um, but Joe, do you hate Joe? Do you hate rap? Do I hate rap? No. Do I listen to it? Very rarely. There is... What about Post Malone? You know, for a you while there... You can't post there, on my Malone. For a, while, for a while there, I was... I did listen to quite a bit of Post Malone. Um, That's a vibe. It is a vibe. It is definitely a vibe sometimes. But, you know, lately, lately, the more I've been thinking about music and, like, the role of music, I've been... I just do you think rap is satanic? I do not think rap is satanic. I do not buy into any conspiracy theories about music or about musicians being, you know, part of the Illuminati or any of that stuff. Although, I do, although, um, it was that Jimmy Page was pretty who was it? The yeah, Jimmy Page is pretty involved with um, the occult, the occult. Oh, 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, no, I'm not denying that there have been members, but you and know, also when Lord are... of the Rings. Dude, we could talk about Beyonce and Jay Z too, and the occult. Dude, the occult in music is amazing conspiracy material. I feel like we should talk about the occult and, and music a little bit too. I mean, we, modern day music. music. Yeah, modern yeah. day music. Yes, and, Max. And old, old school music. I. Mozart. I personally. I personally don't know en- enough about modern music and the occult. I've, I've heard accusations thrown around. Um, when I was younger, um, my my first, uh, the first place I learned of any form of um, rock music was was properly from a talk from a series called Music and Morality by a Father Basil Nortz. And it was unfortunate that was my first introduction to the to the concept of the world of rock because he was very biased against it and didn't do a very good job displaying a balanced view of the topic. But I, I think the occult and rock definitely um, exists, but I'm willing to bet it's nowhere near as prominent as people make it. As well as the 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 thirty psalms we've referred to earlier yes. in this cast, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, I think that the occult is more present in uh, in rap than it is anywhere else, mm. and that's why you do. Have I would I would disagree. I don't think so. I mean, if you do listen to any heavy metal, not not saying that I partake of heavy metal that often. However, I have Black Sabbath. Yeah, not really. Black Sabbath sold out. Led Zeppelin. They sold out. Um, no. If you, if you, if you look into that, and every once in a while I have ventured into there because there are some very interesting theories about how heavy metal is the new classical, because heavy metal retains a lot of the expression of emotion in the in the actual music that classical has um so there's some very interesting albums where i believe it was the maybe it was the uh, los angeles symphony orchestra covered a bunch of heavy metal songs and very very interesting things cliff burton the lead bassist of metallica would run around the studio screaming bach is god because he would just listen to box all of box music on repeat and if you listen to Mm -hmm. um the album, oh, which one was it? The biggest one Metallica had. Um, it was, uh, was it Welcome? Oh, I, what was the I one do called? know. Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets. I know Doc Jayski back at school would listen to that album and then listen to Bach and then listen to that album. He's like, this is kind of weird. Well, well, I believe, I believe it was Metallica that would open every single one of their concerts playing, uh, I want to say this Bach. It was, no, no, it was it, some it's, not, it's not Bach. It's not Bach. It's from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, uh, the Ecstasy of Gold. By was it uh, that? Uh, okay. uh, Morricone. Right, right. Mm. You can't go wrong with Ennio Mor- Morricone, dude. Oh no, that man, that man. He saw the face of God in his music. See, it's interesting because he's he's kind of in between. The, the the more classical of composers, and then what I was talking about earlier with like Hans Zimmer and um, Max Richter, these more minimalist composers who use traditional styles, but their music is very minimalist. And I think that 
I think that he falls kind of within between the two of them because some of his music is quite minimalist. I, I think that when it comes to the idea of of calling accusing somebody of Satanism for making the triangle symbol with their hands or like pointing to their forehead to the quote unquote third eye or what have you, I, I think we need to distinguish between the thought that they are actually doing this as an expression of Satanism or whatever secret society you happen to believe in and just doing it because it's the quote unquote cool thing to do. I mean, yeah. it's, it's if, if, you, if, you, if you know it's going to garner controversy, then most definitely do it because controversy generates publicity. I mean, I have video games is an entirely different topic, but it's the Mortal Kombat games. Games have thrived on popularity through protest because they're so violent. And in the same way, this rock music thrives on. Well, not I don't know about thrives, but this rock music will gain will gain more popularity through protest. No, but. Going back to go, going back to what I was saying about post Malone and how I've drifted away from music like that. Um, see, the thing is, is the more that I thought about music, um, especially in like the last the last year, I I began to kind of hold perhaps the absurd notion that listening to music is actually unhealthy and that we shouldn't listen to music except for when it is live music. And I know Michael could go into this too. I've been thinking about it a lot. And, and what I began to wonder is, in the same way that perhaps we'll touch on later, in the same way that we now know that social media is so detrimental to our mental health. It's, it, it has so many negative side effects. What I began to wonder is that if perhaps having that constant, that music on demand aspect is detrimental to our mental health as well, but we just don't know it because we've had music on demand for longer than people were really studying the effects of things like this in society. Is your argument, is your argument that um, in, if you have nonstop music, you're creating noise so that you can't necessarily dive and deeper into the issues? Our entire lives, we've heard nonstop music. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even touching on that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even thinking about that. But yeah, that that is a part of it. Well, that's not. That's not. That's not a, a big thing, but. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet, um, but but yes, yeah, si- but like, but si- right. si- silence well, is the point. best yeah. way to just sit sit alone with yourself and think and delve into your you know contemplations or whatever, I don't know, whatever you do. Um, but like, but 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 nowadays, like you know, a, a, like a, a drive in the car, sitting at sitting at home doing homework, uh, you, you can't even stop. You can't even stop and fill up your car without hearing music nonstop in your ears, uh, just playing on any radio everywhere you go. There's music playing. Whereas, like, where you know, it's it's interesting because I I don't think I've ever maybe maybe like once, but I I think just that very statement that the presence of 
all music, the, 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 the easily accessible presence of all music is detrimental. I mean, everybody disagrees with some kind of music, but I mean, it's the, 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 the 37 year old homeschool moms who keep getting blamed for everything in this cast. I, 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 I yeah, they, 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 they like classical music. They like Gregorian chant. They like polyphony. And I, it's, it, it, it's an, it's an interesting thought that the addition of quote unquote background music to our lives is overall a problem because it's one of, one of, Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is to me at least me. is right. The see, see, that's, that's where I have somebody who really, will say, I really have like music in a sense, helps but it's been something that I've been thinking about. And so, yeah, you, and you, you do see those studies that are like, you know, Oh, you know, if you're exposed and I, I my parents bought into this and I've, subsequently read other studies refuting it but you know you always hear about like oh you know if you expose your baby to mozart they'll be you know way smarter you know have you heard those things i don't know about no that. i they they have been for the most part debunked are they credible right is that the whole baby mozart and baby baby Einstein right thing that I used to watch when I was. I, I don't know what you're precisely referencing, but yeah, that idea. And so, like, I know that there is kind of that thought out there, but well, well, one one of my things with this is that until well, I, I don't know when when it was invented. You know, John Senior talks about this too in his book, uh, The Restoration of Christian Culture, which is a, a John Senior. It's a, a beautiful book. Oh, if wait, only. Wait. If only. Sorry. Maybe he does too. But but one of the things is oh well, well so you know you know ba back in the the olden times people would listen to music when it was like present with them it it was live someone like someone was making the music in their presence or they were making it themselves you know like you go you go to see Mozart in a concert you go to see a symphony or you you know you're in a tavern or somewhere and someone is playing music someone's playing the piano and well, well, yes, well, yes, but that, but that, but someone is making it in your presence. Someone is making the music there, and, and or in the home. Yeah. And, so, and, so what you're saying? And, and one, one of the, that... one, oh yes. Well, well, one of one of uh, senior seniors' things is that like what, with the introduction of the radio, it's a lot less common to see people making music in their own home. And I think this also leads into you know people being afraid to sing. Because they they grow up hearing music and not making their own music. You can, you I, can, you would. It's it, it's a it's a, not a question of um, yeah. It, it's I I I think what what you're getting at, Nodar, is that mm -hmm. the the increased availability of music has led to a a a, a decrease in the universality of music. <laughs> and yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's and, and I I completely agree with you that um to to paraphrase Bob Ross everyone can yes. sing. It's I I've seen <laughs> I, I've seen multiple to, to, par to paraphrase uh, Gusto even there anyone can sing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I mean I've I've seen multiple people who claimed they couldn't sing and be be diligently walk mm -hmm. through the steps 
by a by a good music instructor until a point where they're able to they're they're able to hit the note that he plays on the piano and they keep mm -hmm. practicing and they keep practicing and they get better so it it takes time but the idea is that if your if if your exposure to music is yourself singing rather than just listening to it then you will then you have the experience and you you aren't comparing yourself to the standard of whatever composer you like listening to, whether that's mm. Hans Zimmer or Taylor Swift. Exactly. Mm. What happens to the What happens to the people who don't feel like they are edified by singing? Like there are some people that don't actually want to create; they want to listen. Well, that's you know? fine. And I feel like that's, that, but, that, but I think, that, I think is, you know. I think singing with friends is good. Well, which is I I don't think listening to music is bad per se. Um, I'm I'm curious about like the effects nowadays that it has like, constant music in our ears. But well, but one I thing think, I actually well, think one, is interesting about rap is the fact that it's like a ubiquitous thing, and everybody you grow up around <laughs> people who rap, everybody does it. And the good ones like they rise to the top, but like it's a common thing for guys to like beatbox. Somebody will beatbox, and then somebody will spit fire. Like that's. And it's something that's like universal, and amongst people, you know, <clears throat> um, in the inner city, it's it's a big thing. And also, these guys, like these rappers, become a symbol of what you can be if you can chase after that, and you can get good at it. So a lot of people want to try it. But ba back back to what I was saying before. Um, and so, so I, I don't think it's bad to, bad to listen to music, but I, but I think it's important to make your own music too, to like know how to make music, um, which is, which is why, which is, I love singing our songs with you guys. We get together around a campfire or some, somewhere walking down a mountain and we just sing our songs, our folk songs, whatever songs we sing, our sea shanties. And it's, it's just, it's just beautiful to make your own music. Uh, old Maui. Uh, but 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 I'll... oh uh, but uh, but also uh, I think uh, McLaughlin you you were saying before how some people or or Max but both of you were um, how some people aren't inclined towards making music but then if you walk through through the steps then they are they are excellent at it. like like they're actually pretty good they're better than they thought um, but uh, I was listening to another podcast a little while ago called uh, The Catholic Man Show, and they, they were at uh, Our Lady of Clear Creek Abbey interviewing Father Bachman, the guest master there. Uh, they were talking about uh, Gregorian chant in the liturgy, um, and it, it's, it's, it's a different topic, but it's connected to this one, in that he, he, was, saying, he was saying that nowadays people, people think chant is hard because they hear it, they're like, oh, how, how can I do that? Like, how can I read the notes and figure out how to, how to sing it? Uh, but but back when that was such a big part of the mass and the liturgy, uh, just kids would grow up hearing it and just just get get the knack for it. Like they they would grow up with that, and it would just be a part of them. Um, so I, so in the same way, I think if you if if kids grow up like making their own music, and just you know from from an early age, just making their own music, playing the piano, playing the guitar, singing. Uh, then it'll just come a lot easier to them, and they won't be afraid of it. <coughs> and it's just a natural talent for them. Right. And that is, this is kind of just a side thing, but that, that idea of, you know, if you, 
if you grow up with it, then you become used to it. It reminds me of stories when, I believe it was after World War II, when German prisoners of war were going from France back to Germany and French prisoners of war were going from Germany back to France. They were all in trains and the trains were parked next to each other at the station. You know, they, whatever they were doing, recalling or you know, whatever have it. And, and they couldn't speak the same language, but these were Southern Germans and they all knew the creed. And they just, you know, they all started chanting the creed because it was, it was a common language that they both spoke. You know, it was, I mean, one, it was legitimately the common language of Latin, but then it was also, you know, instead of the French folk songs and the German folk songs, which are similar in the fact that they're European music, but they're not, you know, they're not that, you know, they, they, they come from different traditions, but, you know, they, they had this common music understanding common of music that of came man. from the chant. Yeah, but apparently when outside, the Jesuits outside went... Outside of Latin. <clears throat> when... I call that Greek, no, Dar, but apparently when um, the Jesuits went to Japan, like, Japanese music before Western influence was, like, stuff that if we listened to it today, we would be like, what the hell is this? Like, apparently it was like, just the way mm -hmm. they would slide with their tones and their whole, their structure was entirely different. I don't know if you've looked at, if you've heard of this at all, Max, where you have these like different cultures and different musics. And I, I don't know whether that's exaggerated or not. It might be that like there are certain things that are, and this is also coming from like 80s. And where I'm getting this from is a, is a book series called The Great Ages of Man, which was written in like the 70s through the 90s. And it's a pretty bad, it's a, pretty bad source all things considered because it's very revisionist and it's very um it's trying to be avant-garde and so some of the academics in it are really fashionable and really sloppy but i've heard that more than once where people have talked about sort of the it's like a relativism of music so to speak per uh, per culture well i know that you know if you go to if you listen to like Syriac or even even Greek or Orthodox chant, it's it is very like the music is so different, and obviously it's a language that we're less familiar with. But even then, what is what is good music and what is good singing in that culture? I have personally always found it to be slightly. I, I think that that comes down to a cultural difference, and I mean, you know, we we say that the universal language is music. I think we say that in a more general sense that 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 you 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 can sing, and even somebody whose music tastes are entirely different will understand that it is a song. They when they when the missionaries went to Japan, then they said, "What the heck is this music?" But they recognized that it was music. So I think that mm -hmm. I I think that we mm -hmm. can safely say that. Even if music theory has been vastly different in different cultures, then then the the practice of music itself remains a a constant. A four forty is always a four forty, no matter what instrument plays it. Yeah, music is what is it? The actual like when you actually put it into a um, when you look at the the actual sound waves themselves, like music is when it's unvaried tone <clears throat> i can't remember what it is it specifically has to do with the frequencies in music basically has less variation than 
just normal talking. You know, it's like a trip if you listen to Mongolian throat singing. Oh, like, that stuff is freaking scary. That's, That's dude, but that totally makes sense. Like the Mongols just went and killed everyone. Like, they, they did killed not so care. Yeah, and so that kind of music, I'm like, it's very fitting for if you knew like Genghis Khan. You're like, yeah, these guys were just ready to go out and wreck. Plus, Mongolia is a pretty rough, like, that's a rough part of the world, if you look at it. It's not an easy place to live. Yeah, but here's, here's the interesting thing. I actually have a bit of a soft spot for Mongols, because the Mongols were instrumental. Actually, I mean, they were the chief reason for the very first, well, possibly the second. Um, Evangelization in China. So I've always had a kind of a soft spot for Mongols. That's completely not connected. Um, possibly during the Roman Empire. Possibly. But I, I think I think that I think that we may have. I'm sure we could all go into this much more. But I think that that was a very interesting conversation about music from. With the exception of Mac, people who are relatively untrained in music. I I don't think that I don't think that music is bad. I just I personally have in the last couple of years tended towards the the less processed it is, the better I think that it probably is for for your mental health, for your I like emotional connection to it, it's what like a have very you. raw sound is just kind of them and their instruments, and no, like no computerization in there. It's just it's just a recording of them making music, and that, I think that's the most beautiful sound. And then I also like like a lot of like kind of like electro rock, like not like not like hard rock, like weird poppy rock stuff, like Jukebox the Ghost, and I have broad range of music but, but especially yeah. like bands like lost dog street band or like you know dude, like that's indie, actually indie country when it comes mm. to like my taste in rock and roll dude i love classic black keys i just can't bring mm. that I, I, I know you do i know you do yes because every time we go to <laughs> well, a bar there's a jukebox and play it i i can't get enough of pink floyd so all right boys let's let's finish up this segment and go to a break i think we i think we've had a good conversation about this. Smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee all night long. Wondering how a love so right could suddenly go wrong. Well, I bet there's a lot of people know the misery I go through. I've got those smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee blues. All right, welcome back from our break. Um, so now we're going to be talking about social media, which my opinions about social media are very similar to my opinions about uh, music, so surprise, shocking, I know. Social media is bad, very bad, big tech. 
I say that as someone who spends you're the one guy way too much time on social media through college, probably spent two X what the rest of us did, except maybe Nodar spent a lot of time on there. I don't know what the heck Belton was doing, but like, let, 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 let's start by making sure that we define the limits of social media because some people put things like YouTube into social media while other people don't. So, right, Twitter, Instagram. We'll see. And freaking yeah, TikTok, the thing is, is like, cancer, and we need to freaking. Why did why did you speak TikTok. its name? Oh, there was it's funny. It's like TikTok is actually like the least. We're not including. In one sense, it's evil because it's owned by the Chinese. But like in another sense, it's actually like the least politically polarizing of all the other social medias. Like at least you're not going to get into an argument over mask wearing in TikTok. Yeah, that's true. Well, yes, you will. It's it's very very annoying because the people that are on TikTok, like you saw the whole viral challenge where they reserved seats at Trump rallies so that you know actual people couldn't be at the Trump rallies. Did you see that? It was a challenge. I, I didn't TikTok. see anything because I don't bother paying attention to TikTok. I mean, I I, I, I was aware I, that I TikTok bother... did the coronavirus challenge where they licked toilet seats, but I mean, there, there, there's a certain point fun, where you stop caring, and it's really far below, far before that point. I just happened to find that out. Achieve achieve herd immunity by looking Dude, you know what's hilarious? Do any of you guys know who Tim Dillon is? I want to say I've heard the name, but I'm not Tim sure. Dillon is funny. If any of you guys want to listen to, like, just a refreshing perspective, Tim Dillon, he's freaking hilarious. Um, he talked about Facebook as he's like, Facebook is the one where he'll hop on every now and then just to listen to like his family rant about politics. And he's like, it's like a bunch of old people shouting into a graveyard. It's like, no one is listening. <laughs> That's Although I, I, Dude, it's, it's becoming link, LinkedIn is becoming Facebook too. It, yes, it, I know. And we long. have a certain, there's a person, a mutual friend, I guess you could call him a mutual friend. Someone that we know who posts a lot of political things on Facebook that are neither particularly snabby, that they're neither political, they're neither particularly savvy, smart, subtle, or even very restrained. They're rather very in your face and highly unprofessional. Like, and opinionated and dumb. I'm going to say it, and we all know who it is. So, continue. I I I, I want to go back for a moment. You you you. you Joe, you you said that you that going on Facebook and spreading your opinions is like screaming into a graveyard, which is an interesting analogy. Brings up a very great mental image, but what 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 do you mean by a graveyard? Because it's on on the one hand, I can I think I it's see what you mean. People. On the other hand, it's, of, it's like it's like shouting in a nursing home. <laughs> like that's all you hear. Like it's just like in in like inaudible or like not understandable groanings that are coming from someone who's like not able to hold it in anymore. I because I mean on the one hand, yes, it's Facebook is a bunch of old people shouting their opinions, but on the other hand, then there are, there are other people who are listening, and and, and but I'm, now just because they're listening doesn't mean they're they're going to do anything or that any difference will occur because they are listening but i i think that it would it's too simplistic of a statement to 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 discount it as yelling into a graveyard 
Well, I agree with that. But at the same time, <clears throat> the reason why like I'm okay with Facebook is my business runs on Facebook primarily and, it, and it's targeted at people who can afford houses and obviously none of our generation can afford houses. So I need the old people on there just, just to make some dough. But uh, yeah, side rant. I don't like Facebook. Facebook is just, I mean, it's just it's, annoying. I, I honestly, I think Facebook isn't as bad as some other social medias precisely because it is the home of old people. When you're, and an, an, an Instagram star has the constant pressure to be posting pictures of their life and everything around them and to display a level of perfection that is frankly not necessary. Whereas whereas Mrs. McGillicuddy is is going to just be making 10 posts in a row that say, how do I search on Google? And I think one of those is more harmful than the other. Yeah, well, I think... I think the real, like, Twitter, Twitter is a real trash can. When I was a senior in high school, no. When I was a junior going into my senior year, I was at Buckeye Boys State, which was, like, where they run a mock government for um, high, schools going, high schoolers going into their senior year. It was a really cool program. Um, and Ohio's was the biggest in the nation for it. It had, like, 1,000-plus guys there. And I remember the only way you could communicate with people was either through getting their number or through Twitter. And as soon as I left and I looked at people's Twitter, I was like, this is what I like the, the statements. I'm just like the unqualified statements. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like you would just say something like this. I think the problem, I think one of the biggest problems with Twitter is its character limit so that Mm. you're, you're never able to, to, to display a full statement of your opinion without splitting into multiple parts, which will cause Mm -hmm. people to lose interest. Well, what's really funny is, like, Twitter was dying before Donald Trump. It was actually, like, Twitter was not doing good. Uh, It was really... Dude, they were talking about Twitter getting bought, which is insane. Do you remember that? Like, Twitter was... And then Trump is literally the reason Twitter is around. Like, so, like, bar none. Bar none. Yep. Now, as as somebody who does use Twitter fairly frequently, a.k.a. every day, um, I think I think that Twitter is definitely the most toxic social media, but I also think that it can be perhaps the most useful social media if you're using it as a tool and not as social media. Maybe, maybe um, people use it as social media because that's what it is, and that's why that's where they went wrong. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that that's where they went wrong. I'm saying that there are there are different uses for it, and yeah, you could you can just be the person who just you know talks about themselves and shares their little random thoughts and stuff. But you know that's it's not the way I use it. I don't I don't often retweet things unless I'm been drinking or somebody something makes me quite upset. Um, <laughs> But but I use it mainly to see to find you know discussions between ma- mainly just Catholic intellectuals and also just to keep up on breaking news. I always find it funny, you know. I'll see you know people will be talking about something, and I was like, that was literally like 
to two, three news cycles ago because, two or three news you know, I logged in and Twitter saw it, like, you know. Like Twitter is instant, but it, it only depends on if it's a... Yeah. Two or three news cycle ago is about seven hours. It's like um, yeah. 4chan, except 4chan and 8chan, they, they don't really <clears throat> operate the same way. They kind of got taken out, but... If you remember, like all of those, we'll see, but they're not. Dude, four chan, old school four chan before Q. Man, that was like yeah. a real trash can. Like that was Reddit before Reddit, and that was that was old days of the Wild West, man. Classic four chan. Yeah, and this is why, like Q people, I used to be into Q, and now looking back on it, like Q is just such like wishful thinking. Q is in reference to QAnon, which is like the amalgam of every American conspiracy theory that you can think of. That centers around Donald Trump. A couple, coupled weird, coupled with um, Protestantism, Protestantism and Americanism, uh, Trumpian messianism. And I, if you think I'm joking, just go look up their stuff. Like I'm not like yeah. Trump is like Jesus number two, like more or less. Did you hear what Trump said? Trump said during the town hall when he was asked about you. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, did you guys hear that? I, I oh, heard about it. Great lady. That that moderator. I don't know. No, no, no. Let's let's. I want to hear this, please. I'm gonna say it in true Trumpy fashion for our listeners here. Okay. This is this is what he said, and I quote: "I'm to mute." Like, so do you disavow QAnon? Well, frankly, I don't know what QAnon is, but you know there might be some truth to it. But I I can't disavow something I don't know. That's literally what he said, almost word for word. It's because they like him. It's, it's like if um, you like him and you kiss his butt, like he'll let you do it. Like it was. Uh, and Hilton, no, he's like, I, I literally don't. I've never heard of that, but you know, it, it could be right, but it could be wrong, but I don't know. <laughs> the guy is such a narcissist. Like he can't. Like if you compliment him, he can't let it go. Like he's so afraid of losing it. I know. Did you see the lady that said he was very handsome? Did you hear about that? Uh, there was this old lady who was like, "Oh, Mr. President, you're you're such a a good looking guy, and when you smile, you're so handsome." And then you see Trump's whole face just like glow and light up. My mom says I'm handsome. The Trumpiest smile. It was so funny. His ego is so big. Oh, anyway, back back to social media and its negative. Dude, Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump is <laughs> like almost an allegory of social media. Dude, he's literally the the epitome of a troll. Yes, he's, he is he, a freaking troll. Trump so would not anyway, have won without so the nice. internet back. So refreshing too. Back to social media and its negative consequences. Trolls on social media. That's you mean. know, honestly, if people, one of the things. Well, I mean, Trump is a negative consequence like, of trolls. People getting mad at trolling actually <clears throat> frustrates me. I'm like, how have you guys not understood this? Like, trolling has existed for like as long as a freaking internet's been around. Like, my first uh, real... it existed or longer than that under different names. I mean, e- e- even yes, in the they're, Bible, they're some of the prophets made yeah. jabs. It's the freaking peanut gallery. It's the two old guys from the Muppets, and they're just like yucking it up. Like they that's can't me. Stop. That's me. No, I, I saw I saw this one post on Facebook yesterday. It, it it was it was a meme. It said, "Take your birth year, like this is the one day. This is the one day in your lifetime that this will work. Take your birth year, add your age to that, and that is the current year, 2020. So like take 1973, add." 
what is that? 47? Yeah, I can't do math. Add your, add your age to your birth year, and that will be the current year. Scientists can't explain it. And I'm like, that's how years work. Like, 47 years and then you realize it was a meme. after your birth year. If you are 47, and 47 years after your birth year, that's the... No, no, no. I, 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 I knew what it was as soon as I saw it, because this is my humor. I, I think it's hilarious. What made me sad was that a lot of people were like, wow, this is so cool. And it really hurt. I guess the question is, how many of those people were being sarcastic? Because it's very hard to tell. And that's, I, that's honestly no. one of the problems with social okay. media. Exactly. Is that there, there is nothing conveyed but the pure no. words. There is none of the emotion. I think one of the interesting because things I, about social I, media I is like... People. I think right. they were not being sarcastic. One at a time, boys. One at a time. One at a time. Oh, I just think an interesting way of looking yes, at... Stan. So, if you look at the pro-mask, anti-mask people, you notice immediately, the first thing you're really going to actually notice is an extreme moralism in the debate. So it's like, those who do not follow this group of people are immoral. And there's two different sides we're looking at. One is looking at it kind of from a common good agent-based ethics. And that is, if you as an agent are not wearing your mask, then you are putting others at reasonable risk of harm, thus damaging the common good. And other people look at it from another end, which is, no, mm -hmm. they're looking at it from somewhat of a Kantian or deontological perspective, where it's like, you have a duty to uphold freedom. The people who are enforcing this rule don't have the lawful authority to push it on you and have abused their authority, whatever authority they had in the first place. So to wear a mask is to already cave into their authority. And so if you look... People would say, well, there's two sides and then there's the middle. But the reality is, is, if you look at most of the debating, it looks as if there's actually two caverns, there's like two cliffs, and then a couple people in the middle. But it's more like group over here, group over there. I think a big part of it is social media, because what you have are, I guess you could call it peer pressure, but that word is overused to the point of almost not meaning anything, and the connotations are... The connotations of peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I also don't... It's, it's I don't herd, like mentality. herd mentality. either. Because it's just used mature. and abused. And people somehow... Like, whenever you hear herd mentality, it's either, like, conservatives <laughs> complaining about Black Lives Matter stuff where they just don't understand a single thing about, like, what they mean when they say... What liberals mean when they say systemic racism or, like, annoying liberals complaining about neo-nationalism or alt-rightism. It's just, like... The word is just terribly used, and I also don't think it, it doesn't clear up anything. It's not clear. What's, what it means is the reason social media has pushed people to these extreme viewpoints is because it's moralistic, because it operates on a shame culture. And it is shame on you if you do not do what is right. right. And so it's taking people's... I think it also, I think it also operates on... I think it's it's a, a shame culture, but also I think it's more of a um, accountability thing. When you have everything out there in the open, everyone's accountable for what. They well, that's that's actually more what there. I'm getting at. Like, it's everybody can look at you, and depending on the mood in the room, everybody can either get you to do one thing or not do one thing. So, like, if so, if you watch any movie with Jack Nicholson, any classic Jack Nicholson movie. Jack Nicholson is just a stick in the mud. Like, he's just... Same with Paul Newman, too. If you watch any Paul Newman, it's the same kind of scenario where you have this one character who just does not like to follow authority. 
that character is gone. They're not in, like, they're not there anymore. One of the things about almost all modern debates is the fact that we have a group of people around us, and that group of people has a group of people around them, and we're able to observe every single thing that we do. And so every single thing that an individual does is now watched by this huge chain. And the chain is completely disconnected. And people typically tend to ameliorate to the most extreme in the room. So the most extreme person in the room, say you have someone, you'll notice this a lot with like people who have, like let's say, an allergy. And somebody has a peanut allergy, and you have a board meeting. And ten, you have a board meeting, you have 10 people on the board, no peanuts. It's a much easier policy than just telling the guy, at your own risk. You're actually accommodating to the extreme. And the example I'm giving, like, I don't want to say we always tend to go to the extremes, but in the scenario of behavior and accommodating or adopting certain behavior, we actually tend to go towards, um, we tend to be heavily influenced by the extremes. And when people start to depart from any sort of central authority, and when people start to see that the average Joe is no longer like a reality anymore, or there's not a big group of them, you tend to fall into what your group says. And so, and this is a long-term process too. This isn't like in the 1940s, it was a very different scenario. We weren't as extreme. There was actually much more of a center in the country. But over time, and social media has also pushed to this, like people have started to form into more fragmented and smaller groups that have different interests and like are highly motivated to follow their own ethical code. Like I actually think the polarization we're experiencing today is actually a result of a very stringent, if not very strange, ethical code. Well, I think that um, what social media does is it creates <clears throat> the everyone on their own island mentality where, you know, you're allowed to hold unpopular views and you're always going to have a few people that agree with you. And that confidence that you get from expressing your views in turn tends to, you know, like that a dopamine rush of likes and views and stuff like that. In turn, it kind of solidifies your, your groundwork. And then from there, you move on to, you know, other people in your community and it goes, you know, your I think community. I it think it does. It, it goes. Web. I think Max had something. To yeah, say real quick. Go it's ahead, Max. It, it, I, I've I've been for, for several years now. I've been trying to figure out what kind of phrase we can use to refer to exactly what you're what you're saying, that social media is both at the same time an ivory tower and an echo chamber. And where it's where you have your little group of <coughs> of affirmation of each other and with 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 without worrying about other problems and you consider yourself better than everybody else because of that and it's it it's quite frankly one of the i at least in my opinion one of the worst problems it's like the 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 the, the software designers just find Facebook and everything else designed them to be as addicting as possible. But I, I think that, the, that, that this is, like, even addiction aside, I think that, that the idea of, be, of never acknowledging the, uh, the differing beliefs 
that other people present. Well, there's no incentive. There's no incentive to cross over into the other side of beliefs because your your beliefs are gaining traction and you're getting you know feedback and you know you, it's solidifying your point that other people are in the same boat as you. You know. Yeah. When 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 everybody believes they are right without question, there is no they they cannot dialogue. And the sheer, I think part of it has to do with the sheer amount of information that the web has provided us. Like, um, we people, you know, humans are, are, you can tell that we're getting better at filtering out this information and understanding what is true and what is um, excessive or not true. But if you look at previous generations when, when this technology came out, then these people were just bombarded you know, it, it was, it was, you know, along the lines with like AOL and even uh, mailings when they would get in the mail, these people were just bombarded by information. And it's become, it's come to a point where there's really no disconnect from the real world that we live in and the digital world, because everything is connected digitally and everything is served up to us based on the life we we live, you know, whether it be ads, whether it be interests that we shown on certain platforms. And so what's happening to society as a whole is to this technology creates our own little world. And the the more we use these platforms, the more tightly sealed we become in the the structure that is created for us by these platforms, I, if that makes I any mean, sense. I mean, there's an element where I believe that's true, but I also believe social media can really have the opposite effect. Um, so it has a polarizing, sure. Sure. or it has an ex- extremizing. I wouldn't necessarily... Polarizing is another one of those buzzwords that... Um, Anyways, I could I could go on for not I could go on for a long time Reused. about how I believe the common United States media is... Well, one of the major, if not the major, source of um, polarization in the United States. Um, uh, the, the, I don't even want to, I can't get mm. into it because it'll make me, but, it'll but get me too far down the rabbit hole. Previous, but previous generations, what, what happened with them is that they were, they were given not the same amount of information of us, but they were given both sides of the story and we had to more or less decide which one we were going to believe. But now, it's we're just bombarded by an eternity of mm-hmm. information that the the common the common you know perception is is that well neither side is right i'm just going to decide what's right and that brings in you know it creates a a, a relevant a relative you know a relativism yeah but society. i don't what's weird is i, I that, see a big undercurrent like my younger brother actually has kind of that sort of like when it comes to political issues he just kind of is like i don't care there's no good answers like he, because he, he's been in the internet for a long time. Like he's, he knows this world very well. Um, but I think that there's been actually somewhat of an opposite effect, largely where people are like, there is a right answer. We have to follow the right answer. And the right answer is there. And all who stand in our way stand against the right answer and stand against what is good and what is just. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In my experience, but I, I do. In think, my experience, I don't think that's. I don't think that's because people are coming to the conclusion. I think that it's because these structures and these these platforms are designed to push to 
you know, support certain agendas. And therefore, if you have an opinion on the agenda, on, on the agenda that's being pushed by the platform, you can say it's good or it's bad. But that's where the basis of Here's your arguments are created. It's kind of like the big tech argument where it's like, all right, well, if big tech is going to censor Republicans, then they must be bad. Whereas. Right. But here's here's the issue there is why I would probably tend to disagree with that is that. Social media doesn't create that, and that's why you do see the censorship. So the reason why the social media platforms are stepping in and censoring is because if they didn't, the idea that they want would be would go in a sense become out of control. You see that in YouTube, where YouTube is dominated by uh-huh. conservative talk shows and conservative channels. You see that in Facebook. Um, the New York Times is there's there's some reporters at the New York Times who are basically trying to get Facebook to crack down on conservative speech. And so every week they hire, you know, what was the most circulated post this week? And they're always by massive margins from but conservative the thing is, Joe, but and so Joe. no matter how much these platforms promote one agenda, the because social media allows you to have that other opinion that's the opinion that actually i think you're neglecting the the fact that conservatives in the in the most in the more recent history have embraced these social platforms because they feel like they are being hated on by these well the reason conservatives flood in these platforms in the first place i mean look at what Lundbeck was at cnn once Think about that. Glenn Beck, he was way, during Obama's era, Glenn Beck was probably the number one, one of the number one sources of Obama era criticism. Um, and then he doesn't like Fox. He's mm-hmm. too frustrated with Fox. He starts Blaze News Network. And he was kind of emblematic of, look at guys like Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro left Breitbart, which is already like it out there source you have drudge report and drudge report before 2018 was a solidly conservative source until he went like freaking crazy um but you've always had conservative isn't that every conservative news source now well drudge kind of went the opposite direction drudge is still a libertarian but he really somehow trump really pissed him off like drudge because trump isn't well, if you read Drudge, really the article, it's not like Drudge is using libertarian sources to critique Trump. Like, the articles Drudge is using are all, like, mainstream liberal arguments. So, like, especially when it comes to coronavirus, Trump, or Drudge is talk Matt Drudge is talking out of both sides of his ass. Like, literally, he'll have one article, he'll have a bunch of articles about, like, coronavirus is spiking, medical doctors think the only way to cure it is more quarantine, these people are finally wearing masks. And then he'll have in his next section, coronavirus restrictions are looking authoritarian. Freedom is dying. I'm like, okay, what do you want? What do you want? Like, what are you trying to promote? You have the most clickbaity articles on the planet. There's a reason why I never got Twitter. And the reason is I just don't want to invest the time, the energy. 
Well, it's constant. It's constant. You know, every single day. It, it's like here's the thing. Like you, there's more. I mean, each of us has a life outside of our digital. Phone, mm-hmm. You know, and I think that a lot of the world, especially in lockdown, has embraced the digital side of things. Yeah. More than they yeah. have embraced the real life side of things. Definitely. Well, I don't think I think that the what the lockdown has really done well, I mean, is made each other man each other human being into a potential threat and i don't mean that in the sense of worrying about COVID 19 i actually don't think that's people aren't typically afraid of others giving them disease but there are two states that people have is trusting of others or skeptic or viewing others as enemy or potentially hostile and those like right now, because of the lockdowns, we want to view others. We view others as potentially hostile. I'd say, in my opinion, most of it personally comes from me. Now, this could be me just projecting onto others. Like, this could be compositional fallacy, which is, you know, pretty common. I see that a lot, though. I do see that a lot, especially when you're in the store and you happen to not have a mask on over your nose, and someone gives you a, a dirty look. Like yeah, well, it's it's like a mixture of like there's no more sharing. trust and like. The whole COVID and masks, like, that's that's just, uh, that's the cherry on top. Like, that's really just, like, uh, that's more just revealing the fact that we have a default line of mistrust, but it's made others into objects of fear. It's made others into objects of pain. Like, there's great struggle to become calm with your fellow man. There's great struggle to the work that it takes. Like, we were talking about music earlier. The work it takes to make music, it's too much. Just listen to it. The work it takes to go out to a restaurant, it's too much. Just order carry out. The work it takes to talk to other people, it's too much. Just go on Facebook. The work it takes to get to know other opinions, mm-hmm. is just too much. Just listen to your own stuff. And the thing is, what we don't realize is we're creating the society. The digital society is the lazy one. Like, that's, there's just no way around it. It's just too easy. We're making it like this. And now we're complaining, we're complaining that, digital. oh, everything's getting polarized. Well, one, it's getting polarized because you're making life super easy to be in a polarized state. And two, like one thing as well is some of the things people are asking are pretty extreme. Like either you're... And, and one thing, I, I don't want to get into conspiracies and everything like that, but they're, they're the only, the ones that are being the most productive, the ones that are most productive in our society now are the ones who are the most disconnected from technology and who are not tethered to its um you know not tethered to the cloud and not tethered to certain agendas that you have to look out for in each platform because at the end of the day i mean th- th- there's a famous picture of zuckerberg when he was revealing the the um oculus rift when they bought that from oculus he had all these developers and they all had an Oculus on, but he's the only one um, who doesn't have the Oculus on. And I forget what the, the, um, the quote is, but it's something like, um, you know, the creator never engages in the creation that, that he, you know, puts forth to, to people. Yeah. Never I mean, you don't smoke your own product. So I, Kind of. Mm-hmm. But you, you get yeah. what I'm saying, like, like. All right, I think it's promoting this, this saturation and well, it's in social media are like, oh, this world yeah. is terrible, and there's no opportunity for you. But there's a place you can go 
to get those hits of dopamine. No, exactly. It's it's the way it's the same way that you know social media workers, you know the the wealthy Silicon Valley people don't they don't let their children, you know, have phones. You know they don't they don't let their you know they send their children to schools that are you know exceedingly you know they're based in the country and they're exceedingly hands on and they don't have you know massive amounts of technology in the in the you know office or in the classroom you know and so i do think there's definitely that i think it was funny because dan you said you said you talked about how everything is so digital now and to me i was just like right like you know we have the constant access to streaming music yeah well you know to tie it back into music there's there's that aspect like we're just making it like it's really tough to be in person and that's an actual human need and so that's going to come out in a weird way. Like, it's just going to come out in weird mm-hmm. ways. I think it's just going to be a massive spike in depression, drug use, and pornography use. Like, I think those are really going to spike, and we're not actually going to understand what's going on. Um, well, and we, we already know that like, those spikes the are mental happening. health crisis. Max. That's why the Naughty Pine is a magical place. Yeah. Or all but at the root of it, but at the root of the well, yeah, I media experience, I think that it's it's really it's very smart of the developers and the creators because they realize their people are searching for something. And the only way to fill that urge is to have something that constantly changes or updates or, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that search and mm-hmm. you know, in us as humans is the search for goodness and for God. And I think that if you have someone who is is so engrossed in social media, it kind of takes away the the search for anything good, and it in turn, you know, the the good, the, the perceived good that they're receiving from this product, which is the connection with friends and people of different, you know, ideas and stuff like that. I think that's yeah. what they they become. It it becomes for them you know, the thing that they chase and they'll never be satisfied. Dude, what's hilarious them. about the developers what's hilarious that. about like all these social medias, like most new medias when they come out, like it's actually kind of clear what the consequences are gonna be. Like I think most people pretty much anybody who is smart, like I remember when I was younger and people would talk about like Facebook. They wouldn't talk about polarization as much. But like people kinda knew what was going on with Facebook. People kinda knew what was going on with video games. People kinda knew what could happen with movies. Like it's not, like most of these consequences, if you really look at them and think about them, you're like, yeah, that really wouldn't take that much thinking to be able to like go from point A to point B. All right. I think I think I think it's a uh, time time to say good night. Yeah. I was